Hi, this is Onika McClellan with today's Creative Seats Podcast. Welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and I'm joined with, uh, with, with this gentleman that's sitting across the table from me. Live and in studio. Roman Johnson. What's going on, everybody? It's great to be here. Welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. Uh, that's a welcome from me. I know Jared already welcomed you, but I'm giving you a better welcome. Welcome. I see what you did there. Yeah. But hey, I'm, I'm glad to have you in the studio today. It's so much fun. It is. Uh, hey, if you're listening to this and... Uh, you're, you're liking what you're hearing, uh, of course, after after you hear the interview. We've got a ton of episodes uh, on on our Creative Sheet podcast. Jared. We do. Roman, this is actually episode 34. Yeah. So 34. If, you, if you're coming in just now and this is the first one you're listening to, go back. Check out some other ones. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a question for you, though, Jared. Fire away. Um, let's say I'm a church planter. Okay. Okay. I'm planting. I'm going to plant a church. Are you going to plant a church? Uh, not right now. No. Okay. Um, but if, 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 if that's someone listening, what episode should I start with in that case? Man, that's a great question. We've had some phenomenal interviews. I, I would probably say, though, because one of the, this guy, um, Josh Gagnon, was on yes. the show, episode 28, I believe. Uh, he he is actually, he's been in the church planning game for, for a little while now um, and has a lot to say about developing people and the importance of that, especially early on. Yes. So I, awesome I would say episode. that. What about you? What, what episode would you point to for that? Oh man, um, I probably should have had something in mind. There's an episode by um, Greg Scott that is about coaching the coaches, and something that it would definitely apply to building volunteer teams and uh, staff yeah, teams as staff well. Staff teams, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think that could really apply uh, very well to a church planner. I could totally see that. Both in phenomenal episodes. Not to mention, I mean, there's been several others that are going to contribute. Uh, to a church planner. So uh, check out the archive. archive. Uh, and again, this is episode 34. We've got a great interview for you today. Uh, we're actually talking to uh, a lady who her and her husband planted a church not too long ago. Um, and in fact, what we're talking about today is she they have a thriving women's ministry at their church. So uh, today we're talking with Onika McClellan, uh, the, the the wife of Earl McClellan, and they planted Shoreline Church down in Dallas. All right. Um, just an amazing couple. Yeah. Um, Roman, you've met Earl. He's Have also you met... an amazing basketball player. He is an amazing, he yes. played basketball at ORU. I played against him at, some, at one point. Yeah, he, he is an amazing basketball player. Um, but I mean, just, uh, just being around him. Super uh, magnetic personality. Uh, makes you feel very welcome. Uh, I felt like I'd known him for years when I yeah. met him one time. They make you feel incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and uh, he and his wife are both that way. Just phenomenal, phenomenal people. In fact, one of the things she said in the interview that I think is so amazing is kind of the attitude that her and her husband have is a, it's not here I am, it's uh, there you are. Um, mm, and I just good. think that's such an incredible approach to life and that it's, uh, it, it's so easy. I know for myself, you kind of get focused on yourself rather than seeing the people around you. Um, and they've just got such an amazing heart for people. And, and, uh, what we're talking about is her role in their ministry. Um, and with that, the role that the women's ministry that she leads at their church, what that plays in their church. Um, and it's really, really fascinating when she's, when she's talking about this, the role that women's ministry has played at Shoreline Dallas. They're not that old of a church. Um, but I, th- I want to say at one point that the, the people that have come to their women's ministry event, they do one big event a year for the women's ministry. They have several other events that take place through the year, but one big event. 
they had as many people at that event as that attend their church. That's impressive. Yes. I think we should uh, I think we should hear more about it right now. Yeah, so let's get to today's interview with Onika McClellan. Onika, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be a part. Awesome. Well, hey, why don't you give us a, a quick backstory of how you got started in ministry? Yes, yes, yes. So I, when I was in college, the person that I fell in love with, um, my husband now, his name is Earl, and he um, was in ministry. And when we were, as early as when we were dating in college, he said, whoever I marry will need to have a heart for ministry because that's where I'm headed. And when I was a little bit younger, I had a wild thought. I wonder if I'm either going to be a news anchor or marry someone in the ministry. And then sure enough, it just so happened that who I fell in love with was in ministry. And as we were in college, we actually jumped in ministry together. So it started back in college. Wow. So you, you said you started in ministry in college. What did that look like? Yes, yes, yes. We were both student leaders on campus. We were chaplains. And so basically what that meant is we would oversee a small group of people through a Bible study, just encouraging them in their faith. And then later on, we continued to get more opportunities. And then we started to lead dormitories spiritually, which basically meant there were different chaplains on the floors of our dormitory. So then we would coach, lead, and inspire those chaplains who then in turn would lead their floors. So our leadership development for sure definitely started in college. Wow. Very cool. So uh, you got married to Earl. When when did you guys get married in college or right after college? How that pan out? Yes, we got married um, his senior year. He had a couple more classes left, and literally two weeks after I graduated from college, we were married. He's from Rhode Island, and I'm from California. So we said, "Hey, Tulsa's kind of in the middle, so let's <laughs> pick Tulsa to get married, make it easier for the family." So. Um, like I said, I just graduated and he had a couple classes left and his first job was a men's chaplain at the university that we attended. And I actually was a news producer and, um, started off working the overnight shift. So we were a young married couple. Yes. He was coming, I was going and we were basically passing ships, but it was all we knew until, um, I switched to days, but I did learn a ton working in the news industry and I really thought that that was the path I was headed down. So I was a news producer aspiring to become a news reporter and a news anchor. And then everything changed. <laughs> so, okay. So you get married. Um, he's working, like you said, at the university. You're at the news station. And then how, how, what was the path after that then to get you guys to now senior pastoring Shoreline in Dallas? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So he was a men's chaplain at a Christian university called Oral Roberts University. And actually faithfully serving there, he loved it. He inspired students, would speak at the chapel services and loved just mentoring and coaching and inspiring however he could. And basically, I thought we'd probably settle and end up in Tulsa for the rest of our lives. Mm. And we had a guest we had a guest speaker that came through. His name was Pastor Rob Koch from a church called Shoreline Austin. And I happened to be homesick that day. And Earl was helping lead the chapel services, which were televised. And as the guest speaker, Pastor Rob, was speaking, the whole time he was speaking, Earl kept having the thought, I have a feeling I'm going to go work for that man one day. I'm just so inspired when he's talking about Austin. He kept talking about how Austin 
does not have very many, it's not a large Christian community. And he just talked about the opportunity to tell people just about the God who loves them, that the whole grace message. And the whole time he was talking, Earl had butterflies in his stomach and Earl is not a butterfly in his stomach type person, Hmm. but though, but he had them that day and he ended up going to lunch with pastor Rob. They totally hit it off. Meanwhile, I'm at home sick and I just felt this nudge to watch chapel that day. And while I'm watching it, I knew exactly who he was talking about when he came home and said, honey, I think I met the man that we're supposed to work for. And so we went from Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, being on staff. He was at Oral Roberts University on staff there to actually just taking a wild hair and exploring this option of why do I feel this tug to go work for this man I've never met before in a city I've never been to before. So some dear friends of ours said, you know what? If you have that nudge, why don't you just do some knocking and praying and see what happens? So one of Earl's mentors at the time is a man by the name of Tom Newman. And so he called Tom Newman and said, this is crazy. I'm super happy with what I'm doing right now. I met this guy, took him to lunch. He's amazing, inspiring. And for some reason, I feel like we're supposed to go work for him. Am I crazy? And so then Tom Newman said, believe it or not, Rob Cope happens to be one of my very good friends. I'm just going to call him and see what happens. So um, Tom Newman called Rob Koch. Rob Koch said, I know exactly who Earl McClellan is because he happened to be um, a speaker at an alumni chapel service. Tell him I don't have any jobs available, but tell him to just fly out here and let's just check things out and start the conversation. So long story short, we just packed up, flew ourselves. Actually, they didn't fly us out there. We flew ourselves to Austin and met with Pastor Rob and Pastor Laura and um, had coffees and dinners with the staff there at the time and actually just fell in love with the environment, fell in with Austin, fell in love with Pastor Rob, Laura, and the team. We had never been a part of a church quite like this, and the experience just blew our minds, and it went from kind of the back burner to by the time we said goodbye to the staff and to the Cokes, they said, we don't have a position for you, but we love you both so much and feel like you're supposed to be here. We're going to create a position for you. So that's how we ended up from Tulsa to Austin. Wow. And so, and did you, did I catch you saying that neither one of you had ever even been to Austin? Had never been to Austin, didn't know one person there. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's Isn't amazing. That crazy? Yes. That's incredible. Um, so then, so you're, you're, how long were you in Austin before you moved to Dallas? Yes. Yes. We were in Austin for 12 years. Um, I stood in the news industry and I was, I um, went from a news station in Tulsa. Then I worked a little bit for the, um, the TV station at the university. Then I took another job at a CBS station in Austin and I was a news producer and Earl started off at Shoreline Austin as a college and career pastor. They, that was before young adults was really big. Now young mm. adults is just every, everywhere. They didn't call it young adults back then. They called it college and career. Mm-hmm. So he was started off as a, as a college and career pastor. Then from there, it morphed to, hey, we want you to be over every person who's unmarried from 18 to 65. And then after a year, he just kept kind of growing and developing as a leader and Pastor Rob kept entrusting him with more. And so 12 years later, he was the um, executive pastor and overseeing 
most of the staff getting to coach and lead um, on an executive level and would fill in, had the honor of filling in for Pastor Rob when he would travel and just really um, became kind of one of the key team and faces of the church along with some other amazing people. All the while, I'm working at a news station and volunteering at the church. And then it all changed when I actually went to a women's conference with uh, my pastor, Pastor Laura. She brought me to Sydney, Australia to attend the Hillsong Color Women's Conference. And that's when my course changed. Wow. So when you say your course changed, what do you mean by that? Yes, yes. So um, we went to Sydney um, for the Color Conference, and I had never been to a women's conference in my life. And I had never experienced church quite on that level in terms of every detail was very well thought out from the parking lot experience to the front door, to the lobby, to once you walked in, to the music, to the screens, to the art, to every single piece of print material. It literally felt like if Oprah Winfrey were to put on a conference to inspire, it felt like that, but it was in the <laughs> church. And I'd, ne- I'd never seen anything on that large of a scale done so well mm. through a church. And also, I love that it just wasn't hollow production for production's sake, mm. but there was so much heart behind it. And that's what really resonated with me. And because they set the table so well, I had a life-defining, definitely God course correction changing moment in my life that has marked me forever. And while I was sitting in the conference, God basically showed me this picture. And I know that sounds crazy, but literally I just saw this picture in my mind. And since I'm a creative, I kind of feel like I hear from God through pictures. Mm. And so the picture that I saw in my mind was a water hose. And the water hose had a kink in it. And I felt like God said to me that your husband Earl is the water hose and I'm flowing through him. But if you were to come alongside of him in ministry, the kink would be removed and I would be able to flow through him even more. And you will discover a whole nother side of the gifts and the plans that I have in store for you. If you leave the news and come alongside of him in ministry. So that was my biggest takeaway from the conference that I needed to step away from the news world, kind of lay down my air quotes career and jump into full-time ministry with him. And believe it or not, I felt a total peace about it. Mm. I'm a very strong, passionate, I would consider myself semi-strong-willed leader. And I know what I want, what I want to do. But at the end of the day, I trust God. And I, of course, trust my husband with my heart and with my life. And so I wrote that in my journal, got back on a plane, went home. And as soon as I saw Earl, he said, babe, how was the trip? And I said, you'll never guess what happened. He said, what happened? I said, I feel like I'm supposed to leave television and come alongside of you in full-time ministry. And his eyes filled with tears. And he said, never in a million years would I have ever asked you to leave your career in news but I'm so happy because I feel like you're my missing link and I feel like this is part of our future together. And so we said, let's go for it. So it was as simple as that. And so we talked to Pastor Robin Laura at the time and they said, we would love to have Onika on staff. And that's where I started working technically in full-time ministry, although I served as a volunteer in other capacities before that point. Gotcha, gotcha. So did you start in some sort of, uh, start a women's ministry of some sort at Shoreline Austin? 
Yes. So um, there is a women's ministry there. And so Pastor Laura, um, my pastor, has a huge heart and passion for women as well. And so I got to sit at the table with her and be a part of kind of crafting these women's conferences that we would host. And I was a, played a small part in the women's Bible studies that we hosted on a weekly basis. But my role was more in the creative part of just getting to um, interpret what I experienced at color, but getting to break that down for our local church in Austin. Everything from concept to brochure design to creative moments in the service and um, basically taking the vision and heart that my pastor had at the time and helping weave that story together for every woman, woman who came. And so that was a huge part of what I did actually in Austin, huge part. That's awesome. So when, when you guys decided, even back in Tulsa, to move to Austin to work at Shoreline, um, or in your transition, that, that moment in Sydney, or even uh, your time working in the women's ministry, did you know that one day you guys were going to pastor your own church? I always, in the back of my mind, when I met Earl, I met Earl when he was 18 years old and we were students together at school. I always thought in the back of my mind that he would be a senior pastor and have his church, his own church one day, but it was very, it was in the back of my mind. And believe it or not, um, the, the way that it all unfolded is we were in London together at another Hillsong conference. And while we were there, Earl had a dream. And in his dream, a woman named Christine Kane said to him in his dream, hey, what's next for you, Earl McClellan? And he responded, you know, I, I'm faithful where I'm at. I'm going to keep serving and building this church that I'm at. And then he just started rambling in the dream. And then he caught himself in the middle of the dream. And he said, actually, I'm called to one day have my own church and be a lead pastor. Then he woke up from the dream and he said, honey, I feel like we're supposed to start our own church and be lead pastors. And I said, babe, I've known that since college. <laughs> and so, and he said, thanks for the sentimental response. And we still laugh and joke about that to this day. So the unique thing about that was when you had that dream, Earl was the executive pastor at Shoreline Austin, and so much had been entrusted to him there. And our pastors at the time had recently lost their middle son. Mm. And we, um, which was, it was the most gut-wrenching, devastating, one of the most devastating things we've ever walked through. And we walked alongside our pastors while that, was happening. It was a tragedy. And so with that said, it was not, it was the worst time for us to get a vision to feel like we're called to start our own church when we were in the middle of lifting up our pastor's hands when they're walking through one of their greatest loss. So we just kept it tucked into our hearts and covered it in prayer because we knew that the timing was not the right timing. And one little thing I'll just say for free, for anyone who's on staff at a church and all of a sudden they get a dream to start something of their own, I just feel like the reason why um, God has blessed our church that we're pastoring now, Shoreline Dallas, so beautifully from the very beginning is I really believe it's because we over-honored the church that we were at and we didn't have like a side meetings or a side hustles or a side agenda. And we really trusted the vision that God placed in our hearts. We trusted it, trusted our pastors with that vision, but they've, they'd proven themselves very, very, very trustworthy. Um, and trusted even their timeline for us to step out and to start our own church. And because I feel like we left so well, the um, blessings that have followed us have been 
crazy and it makes no sense, even the quality of people that we're surrounded by today. But I really feel like it has a huge part to play in how we left showing Austin, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. That was free. <laughs> that's, a, that's some really good stuff right there. Uh, one thing I, I've had the honor of knowing of you and Earl for quite some time. You, you guys have been great friends with, uh, my sister and her husband. And, uh, one thing that is very, very apparent, just even in a, in a, in one interaction with you and Earl is just your love for people. Uh, Mm. is this just who you guys are? Do you work at this? Like where does this come from? We definitely genuinely have a genuine heart that I believe really comes from God for people. We love being with people, even when we have like a moment when we're discouraged or frustrated and we're on our way to a gathering with people, say we're just tired and exhausted thinking, oh my goodness, we have another meeting. By the time we get into the meeting, literally we just both light up on the inside and just become very, um, we just fall in love with whoever we're with in that moment. And so I really feel like, number one, we were just wired that way. Number two, we were part of an amazing church in Austin that loving people genuinely with pure motives and no selfish gain was modeled for us. And so we saw what that looked like in a local church. And so we had the honor of having like the, not perfect examples because no one's perfect, but great examples. So then we just brought that with us here to Dallas, just that authentic, genuine love for people. But I really feel like even in college, we have just, we just love people. We're people, people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you guys then moved, you moved to Dallas, I believe it was 2010 ish. Yeah. Yes. 2010-ish, 2010, 2010-ish. Yes. And um, did you have a core group that moved there with you? Or? No. So okay. not at all. So basically um, we didn't make the announcement from the stage of the church that we were at until two weeks before we were moving. Um, mm. because we wanted to, um, number one, we trusted the timeline that our pastors had, um, asked us to roll out. Number two, um, we didn't want to bring instability where people are thinking, Oh, Anika are leaving. Why are they leaving? What's going on? Mm. We wanted to leave in a posture of strength. And so the beautiful thing about it, when it's all said and done, if you think about it, you have this young couple who served faithfully for 12 years at a local church. Their pastors love and believe in them and fully supported them to start another church in Dallas. But because our relationship was so strong in Austin, we actually kept the same name, Shoreline, and we're Shoreline Dallas. Even though we're two separate churches, Mm. by heart, we're totally connected heart and soul. And Pastor Rob and Laura are our mentors dear friends and pastors, and we trust them with our hearts. But because we left so well, we launched well, if that makes sense. But we didn't bring a launch team with us. We literally moved to Austin with just myself, my husband, and our two boys at the time and um, started from zero. Wow. And so, and from my understanding, you started with a Bible study and then That's right. had a, a Bible study in a nursing home. Is that right? Yes. So we drove out to Dallas on some scouting trips, and basically we thought, what's a venue that we can meet that has AC and lighting that's in the part of the city that we want to be in that's really, really inexpensive? And um, we happened to come across this nursing home who had a theater, and the Mm. theater sat 15 people, but we had our our first Bible study had 17 people, and that was at a home where we just shared the vision and the heart of the church. And then from there, we moved to the nursing home with about 22 people. 
and we stayed there. And from the very beginning, our biggest, um, one of our kind of bookends as a church is something that we always say is remembering the one. And so um, our worship leader now says to me that he was in a huddle with me at the nursing home. And now, you know, this is four and a half, five years, you know, later. But at the time it was, you know, 15 of us in a huddle. And I talked to each person in the huddle and I said, I want you to choose one person. And I want you to remember that one today. I want you to just lean into one person, get their name, get their story and make sure that they feel right at home. And he says that he would laugh back then because he thought there's only 15, 17 people. Of course, we're going to remember the one. But something that he says means so much to him to this day is that now the church has grown, grown by crazy numbers, but we still have a huge focus on remembering the one. So that's how we started the church, and that's how we, we continue it to this day in year five. Man, that's awesome. And even, even uh, if I'm not mistaken, your grand opening in 2012, beginning of 2012, uh, you had around 500 or a little more at your grand opening? Yes. Yes, but most, it was, was so funny. So we started with a Bible study, 17 people, then grew to 22, then grew to 50. And this was all at the nursing home. Then from there, we moved to this really cool theater called the Angelica Theater, which is right by SMU and in a really great part of the city. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to the movie theater, rented the movie theater for monthly worship nights. Then from there, we um, stayed there, I want to say for six months, and then led up to our grand opening. And we did have 500 our grand opening, but we had lots of friends and family that came in from around the country. And at, we had 500 our grand opening, but then the following Sunday, we went back down to 150. So it's just so, that's, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was so fun. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but now today, let's fast forward to today. Uh, sure, either sure. you're getting ready to, or you already moved into your new home. Is that correct? That's yep. So, at the movie theater, we had about 150 people, and believe it or not, a building came available while we were renting the movie theater, and um, it was definitely out of our price range. But for some reason, this building just kept coming up into our lives through a different set of circumstances. So long story short, Earl said to the church, and this was 150 people, including kids, including, you know, pregnant women. And he hmm. said, we have an opportunity to, to buy this church. We need to raise at the time. It was $180,000 for the down payment to buy this building. And literally, he just, as the words came out of his mouth, he just laughed, like, really, that's going to happen? This little church of 150, we're really going to be able to do that. And so before we knew it, actually, we did raise that money. We were able to buy a building. And so our church wasn't even two years old and we bought our first building and that building sat about 250 people. And we were, we had been in that building for a couple years. And then just recently we just bought an amazing building that we gutted and renovated. And, um, it's been the journey of a lifetime, the hardest thing we've ever done, but the best thing we've ever done. And every single detail is just been, it's super modern, very fresh, all white walls. Um, just, it doesn't feel like a typical church, if that makes sense, when you walk through the lobby and through the kids' classroom. Yeah. And all that to say that I still cry when I walk in and I see the carpet or I look at the chairs because I know where we came from. And I know that it all is a miracle. And I'm just honored to be on this journey because it's crazy, but it's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so cool. And just love, love, love the heart that you and Earl both have. Uh, for the church and for people. And 
And so let let's jump to uh, let's jump to really the women's ministry because from my understanding, yeah. you've had some really great success with your mini- women women's ministry and and what it's done for your church. And so, uh, real quick, first off, it's called Sisterhood. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, that's right. Um, with uh, with that, the heart of Sisterhood is that it's a gathering of everyday women who are passionate about bringing yes. heaven to earth. That's right. So was this the same, like, did you kind of transplant the women's ministry from Austin to Dallas, or was this kind of a new thing? So it's a combination of both. So I was a part of the women's ministry team at in Austin, and it was basically called Shoreline Women. And I knew that when we started Shoreline Dallas, I wanted to have a fresh name that reached all ages and didn't sound cliche-ish, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just something that sounded breezy and fun and inviting. And if you're saying, hey, you want to come to Sisterhood, it makes you smile when you say it. Sometimes when you just say women's ministry, in my opinion, it just sounds kind of blah. Yeah. And so I um, follow, you know, like everyone, many people, I follow what's happening at Hillsong and I followed their women's ministry because I was impacted by what they did at the color conference and the women's ministry there is called sisterhood. And that name just really resonated with me. And so I thought I'm going to call our women's ministry in Dallas sisterhood. And as I was in those planning stages, the team in Austin said, we love that name too. We're going to switch to sisterhood as well. Very cool. Very cool. So is this, is sisterhood something you started when you launched shoreline Dallas? Can you hear me okay? I got you back. I uh, thought okay. I lost you there for just a second. <laughs> me too. Okay. Um, okay, awesome. But you can you can hear me good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Fabulous. Uh, with with sisterhood, sisterhood, is that something that you launched uh when you launched Shoreline Dallas or did that come later? Pretty um I was pretty passionate about right away starting something for the women of the church. And so even before we moved to Dallas, I know this is crazy, but we had no one in our church yet. And I was already planning our women's conference and our women's conference speakers. Wow. And I remember um, some of my mentors in Austin thought, you know what, give it a year. Just give yourself time to settle. Don't put the pressure on yourself to plan a conference. But I've, I just dream big and I'm a big thinker, even on a very small budget. And so I, for some reason, I just couldn't shake it. I felt like right away I needed to rally the women of the church. Mm. And so a couple months in, I started Sisterhood for the girls of our church when we had about 20 people in our church. And believe it or not, it just has become one of the underpinnings of our church. And now when people interview Earl, my husband, and talk about what God is doing in the women of our church and just how Sisterhood has really been one of the, it's actually brought a lot of success isn't the right word, but a lot of strength to our church. And People ask him now, was that one of your strategies? Was that your strategy as a church planner to rally the women? And he said, no, we just stumbled into it. My wife had a heart for women and inspiring and encouraging women. And it actually has become our secret weapon because sisterhood is not just a separate environment for me as a pastor's wife to get a chance to preach because I never get to preach because that's not the case at all. Earl, of course, is like, babe, you can share whenever you want. And he asked me to share on Sundays as well. But the reason why I formed and started Sisterhood is because I feel like in so many cases that women are these untapped resources 
that are resilient and resourceful and just can get stuff done. And I feel like so many times when you remove that lid off of thinking and off of capacity and off of just limits, it is just crazy what a group of women can accomplish. Even women with four kids, I have some of our strongest leaders are stay-at-home moms, but while those naps are happening, they're cranking out stuff and just moving things forward. And it gives people a plan and a purpose and a call, and they feel like they have a part to play in telling this beautiful story. And so we started at La Madeline, which is a little bakery here, with a handful of girls, and that was about five years ago. And then we just hosted um, our fourth women's conference, and we had well over a 1,000 women this past fall. And it was just miraculous to see what started at La Madeline with, you know, 10 to 15 girls. It just really has become a movement. And I think that how it's helped our church locally is we undergird and support and help carry out whatever is happening in the church. So our church's mission statement is to make it on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the mission statement of sisterhood. And right now as a church, we're really um, rolling out connect groups. It's connect group season. And so at this upcoming sisterhood this Thursday night, practically speaking, I'm going to have a list of connect groups for all the girls. And I treat sisterhood like a leadership cooker. I um, love seeing women discover their gifts and talents. And then they end up becoming part of the, you know, some of our strongest speakers and communicators have come from sisterhood. Some of our staff women have come by just serving in sisterhood. Something about it, it awakens what was sleeping or confirms what was already there and helps women to discover all that's on the inside of them. So I just love it. Wow. So you do, you kind of beat me to the punch there. So one of the questions I was going to ask is what does this funnel to anything? Um, is yes, sisterhood yep, the end yep, game? Yep. But you, you kind of alluded to that it does funnel them into a small group or did you, what do you call them at Shoreline? Connect groups. Connect groups. Okay. So, so, so we meet sisterhood monthly. We take off the month before our women's conference. And then we also take off one month in the summer And basically the end goal of sisterhood, it's like a front door ministry of our church in that so many women are invited by a coworker or a neighbor or in someone's business group or play group to come to sisterhood. And people are more apt to come to sisterhood before they even come to church. So it actually has helped our church grow because people have come to sisterhood, fallen in love with it and said, you know what? This church is awesome. I think I'm going to check it out on a Sunday. And it's ended up actually encouraging people to become a part of our church. So it serves as a front door ministry for sure, because it, we make it very fun. We have, or, you know, like a lot of churches do, we haven't done anything that no one else is doing by any stretch, but basically the atmosphere is so life-giving and so fun and energetic that it gives people kind of a little bit of a taste of what our church is like. And something that we did from the very beginning, and we still are big on this, is it's a place where women can come and feel supported um, so many times in our society, just when you watch and, and nothing bad about these shows, but all those real housewife shows are, you know, they have a huge following because of, um, all the drama that's on display for everyone. And it's, you know, lots, it's very it's a guilty pleasure for many, and I'm not saying anything bad about it, but the thing that conflicts in my heart when I watch it, and I watch some of them too, is just how women are tearing down each other and not supporting and being a strength to each other. And that trickles down all the way into our elementary schools 
where I have moms of girls in first grade and there's already clicks and bullying. And I feel very passionate that if women understand their value and worth and it's planted on the inside of them is who they are in Christ and that we're all in this together to be a strength and a support and to run alongside the men in our world, that literally the sky is the limit. But what happens is we live in a society, I believe, where we're taught to tear each other down and to compare and to gossip. And so all the time when people come to sisterhood at our church, they talk about how they've never been in an environment where women are so for each other and a support to each other. It's not a competitive, oh, what's she wearing or where is she from? It's very much, I've heard it said before by a, a pastor years ago, who kind of had the mantra, instead of when you walk into a room, here I am, to have the mantra, there you are. And sisterhood, our church really has that there you are spirit. And so women feel that. And now we've created this culture where you can walk all through the halls of our church and women are sincerely loving on each other, complimenting each other, and sincerely encouraging each other to be the best wives, business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, what students, you name it. It's basically it's a healthy, healthy, healthy environment that it's created. There's no gossiping or backbiting or judging or comparison. Comparison. We just nip that in the bud, and we just set the table for beautiful things to happen in relationships and community. And so it really has been a pillar of our church. That's amazing. And I'm going to jump back to something you said just a second ago. You talked about the strength, sure. the strength that it has brought to your church. Um, and one of the yes. things I think I came across maybe on Instagram uh, or something, something like that from Sisterhood is that this is not a call. This is a mandate. Why do you believe that? Right. Um, because I feel like what we're um, presenting to the women each month and even on an ongoing basis, I literally feel like our, our particular church has been stamped with a mandate to wake up something within the hearts of God's daughters and to remind them that God's not done with them yet, to remind them that God has an amazing plan and purpose for their lives, but also to remind them to bring heaven to earth wherever they are. If that's a person in their neighborhood who they don't even know, but they know that they had a baby because you see one of those dark signs in their lawn, what sisterhood would do is say, you know what? My neighbor just had a baby. I've never met her before but I'm just going to offer, offer to drop off soup and some fresh bread for her family with no expectation except to let her know that she's thought of. And to me, that's bringing heaven to earth. And so basically, I feel a call on my heart and on our church's heart to really just set the table for women to feel loved and encouraged so that they can be all that God's called them to be, but then not for it to just stay in the doors of our church, but for it to go out into the community. And so we're starting something that I'm, there's little rumblings of now, but we're going to unpack it soon called a value revolution mm. where I really want to start a value revolution within the hearts of the ladies at our church. But then I want them to take it to their neighborhoods. And this summer we're going to have value parties where they just invite women over who don't go to church or who used to go to church with no strings attached except for to just bestow value upon them. There'll be little pamper stations, little hors d'oeuvres, and just a girl's night that at the end goal is for every woman who leaves to feel valued. And I feel like that something miraculous can actually happen when you help peel back the layers of whatever preconceived ideas that someone has about the church or what it means to be a follower of Christ. When you just value them, it literally peels back so many walls and you get to the heart of a person and then you start this dialogue. And before you know it, you're getting to be a strength and a support to someone who you thought was closed off. 
love that so much. And I, I, I caught just a few snippets of a talk you were doing about the value revolution. Um, I believe it was one of your last uh, sisterhood gatherings where you talked a little bit about this. Um, and a couple of the things that really stood out to me in that talk were just the, I'm for you, I'm not against you, we're in this together. Yes. Um, as yes. a sisterhood, we're, we're in this together. And you already talked a little bit about this in terms of like the, the Real Housewives and different shows. I mean, the world in which we live is a world of comparison. Um, right, and, right, right, right. But, but to have a, <laughs> a sisterhood uh, of ladies where, hey, we're in this together, let's stop fighting each other and let's do something together. And then here you are just five years later with over a thousand, a thousand women at this event. It's incredible. It's, it's literally, um, it's a miracle. I feel like it's a miracle, but I also feel like number one, we were willing and we said, God use us. We'd be honored to help tell your story to your daughters. And then number two, even as a small church, and I just love if there's any small churches listening, when we were really small, um, to still keep dreaming big and to trust God, because I would see things that churches that had larger budgets were able to do. And it sounds corny, but I would really believe God and ask him, God, you know that I want to have, I'm just using this as an example, fresh flowers so that when women walk in, the air feels fragrant. I'm just making that up. And flowers, that was one of my desires at one of our conferences. But we didn't have the budget for fresh flowers, but we prayed as a team. And then one of the girls on our team is a wedding planner, and she just happened to have a bride who was donating all of her flowers after the wedding was over. And so it's crazy. Um, when you don't have a lot of resources, but God, I feel like just loves and has a heart for his daughters. And so he has provided some, some crazy things that you would think that we had this ginormous budget because it looks like it the way we set the table, but really it is so simple as us being, um, very, um, tenacious and just Googling the heck out of things mm. until we can find it for a great price. And then trusting God to connect us with the right hearts of people who are aligned with the heart of, that we have to help us just pamper these women and ladies and daughters. And it's just crazy all that we've been able to host. When I look at the pictures from that conference, it still feels like an out-of-body experience. I can't believe that it even happened, but I know I can't take any credit for it. I can't say that it was my awesome leadership, but I will say that I'm a fighter and I'm passionate and I have a heart for women. And God has an even bigger heart, and He meets every need. I love that so much. And I, you keep you keep uh, using this phrase. You you just want to set the table, and then maybe I'm That's filling right. in the rest of this. But for God to do That's His right. thing, uh, That's right. So That's literally my heart. That's incredible. Let Let's talk like super practical. Like what sure. like, What does that look like? So, uh, just first off, like how many? I know you t- you touched on this just a bit ago, but like how many events a year are you doing for the women? I would say about eight to 10. Okay. And so practically that is that what you do like one a month and then you've got the big, the big conference, the big women's conference. That's right. That's exactly right. And the conferences annually, just one time a year. That's correct? Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So last year we had um, Priscilla Shire and then, and my pastor, Pastor Laura, and then I spoke. And then this year we're going to have the honor of having Lisa Bevere. And so wow, we've dreamed big from the very beginning and have been so thankful. That's awesome. And so how do you market these? Is it a lot of just uh, invite? Is it through social media? How, how are you getting the word out? Yeah, we do a lot of layering. So I always start whenever we call it awareness, because um, actually my husband Earl came up with that word. He loves awareness for anything that we do for our church. Um, he's big on words. And so 
like our auditorium is not called a sanctuary. He calls it an auditorium. Mm. So one of the, we don't use the word marketing. We say awareness, but it basically is the same thing Mm -hmm. of how we can make people aware Mm. of what it is that we're trying to do. And so the way that we roll out awareness is that we start it in-house. So I start with a meeting with our key leaders, like the team leaders of every area of our church. And I cast the vision in the heart of um, whatever the, every year I'll get a different message, like a different messaging or theme or end goal that I want every single woman to walk away from the conference with. And so I'll meet with our key team and I'll share that vision with them and paint the picture of what I want to see unfold in the hearts of women. And then we start off in prayer. And then from there we do a, like a rally and basically all the team leaders of the different areas that it takes to pull off the conference or there's like a rush, rush day. Mm-hmm. And we share all the different areas from hospitality to the design team to prayer team to registration. And we have an open house and then the women can come and sign up to serve, but basic to volunteer. But basically anytime I cast vision for our conference, I cast it in two different lanes. One lane is I really talk about the lost, the women who would never think about coming to church, the women who have a poor perception of church or women, I have a huge heart for people in general who used to go to church, but were burnt out or hurt by someone in the church. And um, one of the calls I feel like is on our church is to reach people who used to go to church, but stopped because they had a bad um, experience. Mm. So when I cast vision to our team and to our staff and to the volunteers, I really paint the picture of the person. I bring it back to the one, that one woman who's in our neighborhood depressed after having a baby and wishes that she had a community around her, wishes she could open up to her husband and talk to him about the depressing thoughts that she's feeling, or that one coworker who seems to have it all together every single day, a smile on their face, but you know at home they're crying themselves to sleep. I really try to paint the picture of the individual women from the different areas that we want to reach of their story instead of just making it like, we want to have a thousand women there. I break it down to the ones. And um, it awakens the heart for the one. Then from there, I also roll out what I believe that God wants to do in the women who help set the table, because I believe that that's just, just as powerful and that God meets the women who set the table just as much as he meets the women who were setting the table for. So I always do twofold vision night where I cast the vision of the one that we're trying to reach or the ones, but then I also cast vision to what God's going to do in them by being a part and it always resonates because people always want to have purpose and make a difference in the life of someone else. And really when life hits, cause life is crazy. I mean, there's, we have so many um, life moments that we're navigating and walking with people with even today. But when you get discouraged and when you feel like I don't even want to wake up today or the world is against me or none of this is working. When you know that someone's counting on you, it gives you purpose to get outside of yourself and to focus on someone else, which helps get you out of your pit. And so it's like double. I talk about the ones that we're called to reach, but also talk about what God wants to do on the inside of us. So that's how I roll it out to our church, um, to the leaders of our church. And then we layer it. I mean, we go all out in terms of, we do what we call a shine Sunday. Our women's conference is called shine. So we do something in service where we have, um, the men will wear, you know, black 
pants and white shirts and have platters and we'll bring gifts to all the women during service with the brochures on them and we'll make it a moment. And then we do things from, um, we go to the sorority houses and we buy cookies for the sorority girls and bring brochures there. We literally just break up the different demographics in our church. So we'll go, so all my doctor girls, all my women who are doctors, I'll do a huddle with them and I'll arm them with awareness kits to take shine to all their doctor friends. People in our heart, in our community, on our team that um, are over our outreach, I'll equip them with some free tickets and then other information for outreach. We break it up into the different categories from students to doctors to moms. And we basically we take the city and we share, we share about shine, but we make it really fun and it's always fresh and in a modern approach. It's not just putting it, handing someone a rave card. Wow. So there's a lot, a lot of vision cast around it. For sure. For sure. For sure. Very, very cool. Couple more questions for you here. What, sure. What kind of impact has sisterhood had on you? For sure, it's definitely um, woke up the leader in me and the passion that I already knew was on the inside of me. It tapped into um, just some gifts and talents that I didn't even know I had in terms of painting the picture. I feel like it's. I feel like I have this. This sounds super crazy. So I'm just thinking of someone who would be listening who. Um, isn't a follower of Christ, but it sounds crazy, but I feel like God's giving me, because I'm lean creatively, he gives me visions and dreams, and then watching it unfold has just been crazy. For instance, this is so random, but at our women's conference that we just had last fall, the whole theme of it was a brand new name. That was the whole theme that I felt like God wanted to give every woman who walked in the door a brand new name, and the way that we ended it was that that brand new name is Daughter. Because I feel like we live in this world where women, from the time they're little, get labels, get weights, get these labels from their family, these labels that they put on themselves or labels from friends, and they call themselves fat, stupid, ugly, insecure. And God kept telling me from in Isaiah, he just talked to me about how I want to give every woman a brand new name that night. And their brand new name is daughter. And once they know that they're God's daughter, that trumps every single name that ever would be thrown at them. That when you hear in your mind, I'm ugly, that when you remember that you're God's daughter, that you belong to him, you become an heir. And then I unwrap the story of our little girl who we adopted. And she wasn't born with the name that we've given her, which is L. Grace. She was born with a different name in a crazy, crazy set of circumstances with a birth mom who was fighting addiction. And because she's now part of our family, she knows a brand new name is an, is an heir to all the things that are quality in our family in terms of love, peace, joy, strength. And she's inherited all of that. So I unpacked that whole story. But as I was praying about that night, I saw this picture and I saw this video. And in the video, I saw all these names that women call themselves. And then I saw those names erasing and dissolving. And I saw the word daughter stamped on every single name. And so that was a vision that I got. Like a, as I was just praying, I, I'm just like a regular girl. So I pray. I listen to worship music and I write in my journal. And I started writing in my journal about this video. So um, we played, I knew that the song was going to be, I'm no longer a slave of sin. I'm a child of God. And so I met with our worship team and I said, this is the moment that I see happening at the end of the conference. I see me getting up after Priscilla shares, after Pastor Laura shares. The way that I want to wrap this is I want to sing, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God because it resonates with this whole brand new name. And then I want to produce a video 
where we have these different names that women call themselves, and I want them to be on the screen, and then I want them to dissolve and have the word daughter stamped over every single name. And so it was this beautiful moment that unfolded in the conference, and the women were just singing out, and we started singing, I am surrounded. And it just was this beautiful moment, but I didn't even know that those things were on the inside of me, if that was, if that makes sense, until I said, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to start sisterhood. I'm open. I'm your vessel. Speak to my heart so that I can speak to the hearts of women. And what it, it's awoken in me, or, or I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but basically this desire to hear from heaven and then humbly articulate what I'm hearing and presenting it to the women and then watching what God does in our midst has changed me because it's caused me to trust him more. Wow. That's incredible. That's how it's changing. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so moving forward, what do you see as the future of sisterhood? Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I was just at a Justin Bieber concert last night with one of the young girls that I have the honor of mentoring on a big sister to you, and she got tickets to Justin Bieber and said, I want to bring you Onika. And I had a crazy week, just all kinds of life happening, walking friends through cancer, life moments, and just, you know, life can just be heavy and no joke. And sometimes you just got to stop and sing baby, baby, baby at a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> um, and so... It was it was hilarious, but I was there, you know, probably, you know, everyone surrounded by 15 year, fifteen girls that are 15 to 23. And I looked all the way up into the American Airlines arena, and there are women from the floor all the way to the balcony just singing at the top of their lungs. Every single Justin song, they all knew them by heart. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to have shine here one day. I'm going to have our women's conference here one day. Wow. So I said, Father God, I thank you for every girl here right now that's singing their hearts out to Justin Bieber. But I thank you that one day I'm going to have the honor and privilege of singing songs to you and lifting up your name in this place and just declaring your goodness with women literally from all over just filling this stadium with shouts to you. And, um, so that's my, one of my dreams is to host a conference, our conference at the American Airlines Arena, for sure. Being in there, seeing all those girls of all different ages and all backgrounds and all walks of life united together inspired me and said, you know what? The sky's the limit. So why not? So that's one of my crazy dreams. Um, another dream is we just planted a church, um, in Antigua and it's called Shoreline Guatemala. And so in a couple months, we're going to start a sisterhood there. And so in the future, we will definitely um, have a women's conference there. But there's a definite, definite value deficit for women in Guatemala. So I look forward to watching this message, you know, wake up the hearts of the women there. So I cannot wait for that. I also cannot wait to see the things that we're going to be able to do as we bring all of our resources together. We do a lot of outreach things where we've brought items to women in strip clubs to every year we do school supplies for underprivileged kids to being a part of a donating, a, you know, a bus to we've given away minivans. And so it's not just about the women getting filled up like, okay, I'm good. Let's go change the world. But literally we practically also feel called to change the world. And so I just want to be a strength and a support to the women that God entrusts me with. But then collectively, I want to gather all of our resources to keep making it on earth as it is in heaven and meeting practical needs locally and globally. 
such an amazing heart. So what would you say to any church out there that maybe is considering starting a women's ministry or does not currently have one? I would say start one, start small, and trust God for big things to happen because I feel like that when women run alongside men in a healthy way, it is such a beautiful sight. And when you wake up the potential, the call, the purpose, the passion on the inside of women, it strengthens your church in ways that you didn't even know needed strengthening. I remember when we were doing setup and tear down in a movie theater, which was very exhausting. Um, our teams would come at six in the morning and set up and every, our whole church was, everything was loaded from a truck. But because I had casted the vision of bringing heaven to earth to our sisterhood, it was our sisterhood in their high heels who were running with the carts of supplies, helping unload the church, help set up, helping set up the classrooms right alongside the awesome men of our church. And so sisterhood has really ignited so much passion into the hearts of our church, and it has become a leadership cooker for our church. And we have produced some incredible leaders and amazing um, just world changers as a result of being planted in a healthy church and in an environment that celebrates, encourages, and and tells women that the sky is the limit when you trust God with your life. So I say go for it. It is so worth it. So amazing. Love, 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 love your heart. Um, And Onika, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about doing that? Yes, definitely. Um, Our website is shorelinedallas.com. And then I think that's the best way. Or I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all those outlets too. Perfect. Onika, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such an honor, such an honor. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Sheep podcast today. If uh, if you do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast, that would help us out a ton and it would help you out because you would get the freshest content from Creative Sheep every couple weeks we release a podcast. That's right. Every other Monday, Roman, a new podcast is going to hit the airwaves. And we've got some amazing interviews coming up. Brad Cooper from New Spring is going to be on the show. Uh, Loved the conversation with him. He's just a solid dude. He actually spoke at the Most Excellent Way to Lead conference, which is Perry Noble's conference, uh, amongst Stephen Furtick, Dave Ramsey, Perry Noble, uh, Lisa Turkhurst, like there was just some amazing people. Brad Cooper was a part of that lineup. And just to just to be clear, it it is not the uh, actor Bradley Cooper. No, it is not. Anything. No, it is not. Although Brad Cooper is one handsome devil. He is. He uh, is. It's not that Bradley Cooper. <laughs> uh, Brad, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, he's going to be on the show. Jordan Boyce is going to be on the show. Phil Bodel's coming up. We've got an incredible lineup with many, many more to come. Uh, and just want to say thanks. If you guys aren't listening, we wouldn't do this. Um, so thanks for listening. The audience continues to grow, or as we like to call it, the Creative Sheep crew. That's right. Continues to grow. So thanks for listening, um, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. See you.